everyone. You're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello. Hi. And unfortunately, our musical newbie, Matt, is not with us this week. Wimp, wimp. But on this week's episode, we are honoring Stephen Sondheim, who sadly passed away November 26th, 2021, so fairly recently, by covering one of his musicals, Into the Woods. We are going to be going off of the original Broadway cast recording, which we will link in the show notes for our Spotify. Also, the entire show is available on YouTube, which I will also link in our website blog post for this show. I did watch the entire thing today. It was phenomenal. Nice. A good thing about this show is you do get a majority of the story from the music. You do miss a lot of the jokes if you are just listening to the music. So we do recommend seeing the recording or there is a movie out as well that you can check out. So a little bit of background, uh, the music and lyrics are of course by Stephen Sondheim with a book by James Lapine. The show combines characters from old fairy tales like Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk, Rapunzel, and Cinderella, as well as many others. In terms of productions, the show premiered at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego, California on December 4th, 1986, where it ran for 50 performances. The show changed a bunch from this point on, including the addition of the song No One Is Alone, which is a great song. It opened on Broadway at the Martin Beck Theater on November 5th, 1987, and then it closed on September 3rd, 1989, after 765 performances. It starred Bernadette Peters, Joanna Gleason, Kim Crosby, Ben Wright, Daniel Ferdland, Chuck Wagner, Merle Louise, Tom Aldridge, and Robert Westenberg. In 1989, from May 23rd to May 25th, the full original cast reunited for three performances to tape the musical in its entirety for the season 10 premiere episode of PBS's American Playhouse. It was filmed on the set of the Martin Beck Theater in front of a live audience, which is the one that you can see on YouTube today. There was a 10th anniversary benefit performance that was held on November 9th, 1997 at the Broadway Theater. On November 9th, 2014, most of the original cast reunited for two reunion concerts in discussion in Costa Mesa, California, which I thought was pretty neat. So the main cast kind of kept in touch. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Going back a bit, a U.S. tour did start on November 22nd, 1988, and where it ran for 10 months. It then opened on the West End on September 25th, 1990 at the Phoenix Theater. It closed on February 23rd, 1991, after 197 performances, and the song Our Little World was added as a duet between the witch and Rapunzel, which reveals more about the relationship. And this production was actually written a lot darker and with less humor, so interesting. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> it is a dark show already, so... True. All right. <laughs> there was a London revival on November 16th, 1998, closed on February 13th, 1999. And then there was a U.S. revival that opened at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles. This ran from February 1st, 2002 to March 24th, 2002. Then there was a Broadway revival that opened at the Broadhurst Theater. Previews began on April 12th, 2002. And then the show opened officially on April 20th, 2002 and closed on December 29th after 18 previews and 279 performances. This production starred Vanessa Williams, a John McMartin, Stephen DeRosa, Carrie O'Malley, Greg Edelman, Christopher Sieber, Molly Ephraim, Adam Wiley, Laura Benanti, and Judy Dench as the pre-recorded voice of the giantess. There were a couple changes to this version, which included a cameo appearance by the Three Little Pigs, the song Our Little World, a second wolf, and the portrayal of Milky White by a live performer, and some other things, so... It's pretty cool. Odd choices, but mm. <laughs> and not sure I would have chosen to do a live Milky White, but you know, yeah, whatever works, I guess. Sure. 
There was a revival in London at the Royal Opera House for a limited run from June 14th through June 30th, 2007, and it was followed by a short stint at the Lowry Theatre between July 4th and 7th. This version was actually set as an opera, which is really cool, but was unfortunately overlooked for the musical nominations in the 2008 Olivier Awards. This production sold out completely three weeks before opening, but received mixed reviews. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, an opera for this whole thing, I don't know. Sounds cool, but it might get a bit much. It's a long I show. mean, the whole thing's basically song anyway, so I can see how it works. Right. So there was a production at the Regent's Park Open Air Theater that ran for a limited six-week run from August 6, 2010 to September 11, 2010. It was performed outdoors in a wooded area, and this performance changed the narrator to a little boy who is lost in the woods. That's awesome. Yeah. Cute. It was uh, yeah, a neat touch. This one received rave reviews. It was recorded in its entirety and is available from Digital Theater, if everyone wants to go check that out. Kind of want to. The Regent's Park Open Air Theater production transferred to the Public Theater's 2012 summer series of free performances, Shakespeare in the Park, at the Delacorte Theater in Central Park, New York. The original run was supposed to be from July 24th to August 25th, 2012, but it was extended to September 1st, 2012. The cast starred Amy Adams, Dennis O'Hare, Donna Murphy, Chip Zine, Jack Broderick, Gideon Glick, Jesse Mueller, and Glenn Close as the voice of the giantess. This production was in talks to transfer to Broadway, but didn't go through due to scheduling conflicts with the cast. Boo. There was a limited run from July 26th to 28th, 2019 for the Hollywood Bowl. The show also went to Sydney, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Israel. There was a 25th anniversary in 2011. This one saw the original Little Red Riding Hood, Daniel Furland, returning to play the baker's wife, which is pretty cool. Yeah. There were also two off-Broadway productions. One was at the Old Globe Theater from July 12th, 2014 and closed August 17th, 2014. And then another was at the Laura Pels Theater from January 22nd, 2015 and closed April 12th, 2015. And also, fun fact, it did come to the St. Louis Muni. Yep couple years ago but i did not get to see it yeah sad day us either sad day so there is a junior version of this show that has been adapted for children it is shortened from two and a half hours to only 50 minutes and adapted to fit younger voices the second act is entirely removed and a lot of the first is cut down as well but Hmm. it's good for you know schools and things like that sure On December 25th, 2014, a film of Into the Woods was released. This movie saw a star cast of Meryl Streep, Emily Blunt, James Corden, Anna Kendrick, Chris Pine, Tracy Ullman, Christine Baranski, Lila Crawford, Daniel Huddlestone, Mackenzie Mozzie, Billy Magnuson, and Johnny Depp. Yeah. And it was pretty great, if I do say so myself. I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah. It grossed over $213 million worldwide and was a critical and commercial hit. Meryl Streep was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, and the film received Academy Award nominations for Best Production Design and Best Costume Design. Yeah, out of all the shows that have been like turned into, uh, musicals turned into movies, this is probably one of the better ones, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I think it was done very well. Oh yes. I don't think I saw this one. What? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I did. Well, we have to watch it again. Right, oh, sounds like uh, oh, movie night time. <laughs> Movie night, movie night. Woohoo! As far as awards go, so in 1988, the show won three Tony Awards and five Drama Desk Awards. In 1991, it won two Laurence Olivier Awards. 
1999, it won another Laurence Olivier Award. Nice. In 2002, it won two more Tony Awards and three more Drama Desk Awards. Just piling it up there. And then in 2011, it won another Laurence Olivier Award. So this one's pretty uh, shiny. Pretty shiny. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to me that they they have so many awards, but the productions didn't last as long as some of the other ones did. Like yeah. they didn't really break like a thousand performances or anything, but they were still at least recognized. But yeah, with that background out of the way, are we ready to jump into our Act One? Yeah. Woohoo! Woo. Okay. So a narrator introduces us to our four main characters, four storylines, whatever. So we have Cinderella, who is wishing to attend the King's Festival. Jack, who wishes his cow, Milky White, would give milk. And then a baker and his wife, both of whom wish to have a child. And then also we are introduced to Little Red Riding Hood as she appears at the bakery, wishing for bread and sweets to bring to her sick grandmother. So while Cinderella is begging to go to the festival, Cinderella's stepmother dumps a pot of lentils into the fireplace for Cinderella to pick up. She says only after all of them are picked up can she go to the festival. So Cinderella calls the birds from the sky to help her pick them up. Meanwhile, a witch appears at the bakery. Bam, bam, bam. <gasps> she informs the baker and his wife that they are infertile because of a spell she had placed on the baker's father many years ago. The father had stolen vegetables from the witch to appease his wife's cravings when she was pregnant. Among them, he accidentally stole magic beans. The witch lost her beauty when the beans were removed. So in return, she took their daughter Rapunzel and put a spell on the family that they would always be barren. Which, I don't know, a little overreaction, but whatever. The witch tells them that the only way to lift the curse is to find four ingredients. A cow as white as milk, a cape as red as blood, hair as yellow as corn, and a slipper as pure as gold. They must bring them to her before three days is up. Jack's mother tells him he must sell his cow because she is not giving up milk. Cinderella's family prepares to go to the festival, but her stepfamily again denies she can go, even though she did technically pick up all the lentils. As the baker prepares to leave, he finds six magic beans in his father's hunting jacket. He argues with his wife that he has to do all of this himself because the curse is on him. And she's like, no, it's on us. Because we're a couple. And we're stronger yeah. together. But he says, no, Me. stay home. <laughs> I'm the man here. <laughs> so everyone begins a journey into the woods. Jack to sell his beloved cow, Cinderella to seek advice from her mother's grave, Little Red to her grandmother's house, and the baker to find the ingredients in the song Prologue Into the Woods. And yes, this is song this song is like eleven minutes long. <laughs> yeah. If you can't already tell, this is a long musical. Yes. Yes, is yes. Is this where the name of the musical comes from? <gasps> wow. Yes. I wonder. <gasps> Into the woods. Into the thick of it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not quite, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> yes, but also no. <laughs> Cinderella gets to her mother's grave and repeats her wish to attend the festival. The spirit of her mother appears and gifts her a gown and golden slippers in the song of Cinderella at the Grave. Meanwhile, a mysterious man mocks Jack for valuing his cow more than a sack of beans. Then, Little Red meets a hungry wolf in the woods who distracts her from her path. And then he hatches a plan to eat both her and her grandmother. Bah, ha, ha. Bah. And this is in the song Hello, Little Girl. And it's kind of creepy. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Also, to add to the creepiness, if you watch the original recording, yeah, he's a little too sexual. <laughs> he's very, very. very. <laughs> they give th they give this dude abs. Like, come on. <laughs> she is it's a child. Bizarre. Yes, he is a furry being. <laughs> this is not okay. Big yuck. <laughs> yeah. 
The baker, who is secretly followed by his wife, runs into Jack. Together, the baker and, and his wife convince Jack to trade Milky White for five of their magic beans, but he keeps one for himself. Jack agrees and gives her a tearful goodbye in the song, I guess this is goodbye. Which is too sad for the whole situation. <laughs> right. It's a cow. Come on. The baker feels conflicted about the deceit, but the wife assures him that it was the right thing to do in order to get their child in the song, maybe their magic. And so he again convinces his wife to go home and let him finish the trials by himself. It is revealed that the witch has raised Rapunzel in a tall tower. The tower is only accessible by climbing up Rapunzel's long golden hair in the song Our Little World. A prince spies Rapunzel and plans to meet her. The baker tries to take Little Red's cape, but can't go through with stealing it. He passes Little Red's grandmother's house and sees that the wolf has eaten both of them. Ah! No, no. Surprise! But somehow he stabs the wolf and rescues Little Red and her grandmother from his stomach. He cuts out up his, it's, his tummy. It's weird. Obviously. It's weird. C-section. <laughs> Gross. In return, Little Red gives the baker her red cloak as she reflects on her experiences in the song I Know Things Now. <laughs> the song always uh, <laughs> gets me. <laughs> it's pretty great. When Jack's mother sees that he has exchanged Milky White for beans, she throws them aside. The beans spread into an enormous stalk that stretches to the sky. Meanwhile, Cinderella flees the festival, pursued by another prince. The baker's wife runs into her and helps to hide her. When asked about the prince, Cinderella isn't that impressed, and she sings, A very nice prince. He's okay. He okay. <laughs> the baker's wife spots Cinderella's golden slippers and tries to take them. Cinderella runs away from this, because weird. And in the pursuit, the wife loses Moki White. No. And then clock chimes midnight in the song First Midnight. <sighs> no, they lost the night home. So Jack describes his adventure of climbing up the beanstalk in the song Giants in the Sky, which, I mean, if you're surprised, there's giants in the sky. So mm -hmm. there's that. Jack gives gold he stole from a giant to the baker in order to buy back his cow. The baker is hesitant about selling, so Jack returns up the beanstalk to get more gold. You know, because that's the problem. Mm -hmm. The mysterious man questions what the baker cares more about, the money or his child. And the baker pockets the money. There we go. Cinderella's prince and Rapunzel's prince lament over their love lives in the song Agony, which is hilarious. It's especially so the good. <laughs> it's so good. Agony. It's so ridiculous. They're competing to be the most in pain. It's great. Mm -hmm. So the baker's wife overhears their talk of a girl with golden hair. She goes to find this girl with the golden hair and she decides to just take the hair from Rapunzel, which is very rude and probably painful. Mm -hmm. and the the, the baker finds Milky White in the forest, aided by the mysterious man. The baker admits they must work together, and they hatch a plan to get Cinderella's slipper in the song It Takes Two, so he's finally allowing his wife to help, even though she's been helping the entire time. Teamwork! Yay! Jack arrives again with a golden egg as more money for the baker. Milky White dies at another chime of midnight in the song Second Midnight. So, oops. Oops. The witch finds out that Rapunzel has met the prince and demands she stay inside away from the world in the song Stay With Me. Rapunzel refuses and the witch cuts off her hair and banishes her to wander the desert, which is a little extreme. Jack meets Little Red, now wearing a wolfskin cape and knife. Yep. Yep. Jack brags about his adventure in the sky and mentions a golden harp owned by the giant. Little Red doesn't believe him and goads him into returning to the giant's home to get the harp. Just like, hey, prove it, you know, because she's kind of a menace. Yeah. She really is. The witch hides in the tower, and when the prince comes to see Rapunzel, she pushes him from the tower, where he falls into a bed of thorns, blinding him. Again, <laughs> hmm. this woman overreacts just a lot. <laughs> yep. 
Cinderella is torn between staying with her prince or escaping, and is stuck on the stairs. She decides to leave him one of her slippers, and leave the decision up to him on whether or not to find her in the song On the Steps of the Palace, which is also a good one, and it gets stuck in my head a lot for some reason. Oh, yes. For no reason. <laughs> no reason Just, I don't know Just It's there sometimes. <laughs> uh, so she trades shoes with the baker's wife for the last magic bean, even though she throws it away in the process. She's like, meh. Whatever. <laughs> uh, the baker arrives with another cow, and the two are excited over having all four items. Finally! Yay! Woohoo! The witch appears and finds out that the baker has just covered his cow in flour to make it appear white. Oops. It's not actually a white cow. And so the witch brings Milky White back to life. Thus, they have all of their objects. Jack returns with the harp, and a great crash is heard. Jack's mother reports a dead giant in her backyard, but no one really pays attention. <laughs> They're like, meh. Foreshadowing. <laughs> the witch tells the baker to feed Milky White the objects, but she still doesn't produce milk. The witch finds out that Rapunzel's hair had been used, which won't work because she'd touched it before. The mysterious man proposes using corn silk instead, which works to make Milky White produce milk. The witch drinks it and becomes young and beautiful again. She also reveals that the mysterious man is the baker's father, although he dies as soon as she drinks the potion. Here's your dad. He's dead. Surprise. Blech. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> so Cinderella's prince tries to find the girl that will fit the slipper. Cinderella's stepsisters mutilate their feet to fit, but the prince sees through this, you know, because there's blood everywhere. Yeah. So one sister cuts off her big toe and the other one cuts off her heel. It's disgusting. Yep. It's fine. He finally sees Cinderella and knows that she's the one in the song, Careful My Toe. <laughs> <laughs> Rapunzel's prince finds her and their twins in the desert. Still blind, by the way. So awesome. Rapunzel's tears heal the prince's eyes. Cool. And the witch finds them and attempts to curse her, but she learns that she has traded her youth and beauty for her powers, so now she's just kind of a person. At Cinderella's wedding, her stepsisters are blinded by birds. Karma. Sure. The baker's wife, now pregnant, thanks Cinderella for her help, congratulating themselves on living happily ever after. In the song Ever After, <laughs> the characters fail to see another beanstalk growing. Bum, bum, bum. So you might think that the show is over now, but it's no. Not. It's just the end of Act 1. <laughs> There's so much more to go! <laughs> there is so much more to go. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in intermission. Yeah. How do we feel about the really convoluted first act? <laughs> it's a lot. There is a lot. And, and to, to be fair, writing it down makes it seem way more complicated, but the music, it, like, it talks you through everything. Yeah. Like, it's it seems really silly, you know, reading it back, but... That's the show works. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely melds the different storylines together really well. They all like peep in and out of each other's stories. Very, very smooth. Yeah. And it's done really well on stage. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Don't be intimidated by this show and, and its and its wild twists and turns or whatever. It's it does all, you know, come together and make sense when you actually see it. Yeah. Kylie, you got some some stuff for us, question mark. I don't know why I said it like that. Exclamation point. Yeah. To honor Sodheim, instead of a fun theater fact, here's a snippet describing him. Sodheim is recognized as one of the most important figures in the 20th century musical theater. Praised for having reinvented the American musical, with shows that tackled unexpected themes that ranged far beyond the genre's traditional subjects, and music and lyrics of unprecedented complexity and sophistication. His shows addressed darker, more harrowing elements of the human experience, with songs that often tinged with ambivalence towards love. 
Yeah, so I thought I thought that quote was like It's a pretty spot on. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like his his works are so so complex. Complicated? They're very complicated. And I think I I kind of talked about it when we covered Sweeney Todd that like there's so much more hidden in the depths of his music than you realize upon first listening. Like that I watched a whole video about how it broke it down and like where his inspiration came from and what all these tunes actually mean. This dude was complex. Like I will I will give him that. Like he thought about everything. And it's definitely not everyone's style, but I really like the complexity of his musicals. Like I I know I, I think my mom doesn't personally care for him because it's a little too hectic for her. Mm-hmm. But I am a fan. I've always liked his musicals. Okay, so with that that little snippet out of the way, R.I.P. Sondheim. Are we ready to go into the woods to act two? I mean, that's a really easy one. So Into the thick of it. Nope, still the wrong show. <laughs> so the narrator continues with Once Upon a Time, later, and everyone still has wishes. The baker and his wife have new frustrations with raising their infant son. Fair. A newly rich Jack misses the kingdom in the sky. Cinderella is bored with life in the palace. And they all sing this in the song, So Happy. So they're all relatively happy, all things considered, but it's just not what they were expecting, kind of thing. With a tremendous crash, a giant's foot destroys the witch's garden and damages the baker's home in the process. The baker decides to travel to the palace to warn, you know, them about this giant roaming around the land, but his warning is ignored by the prince's steward. So, oops. When he returns, he finds Little Red on her way to her granny's. The baker and his wife decide to escort her, just in case something happens. Jack decides he must slay the giant while Cinderella investigates her mother's disturbed grave. So everyone is returning again to the woods, but things are different for them now, obviously. In the song Into the Woods, Reprise. Weirdly enough, the one that has suffered the most is Rapunzel, who has been, you know, driven mad by everything that happened, and flees into the woods, just screaming. Yep. So that's fun to listen to <laughs> on the soundtrack, because you have no context at hey, the time. Yeah, I think about doing that sometimes. <laughs> I do, too. If you actually, like, watch the musical, the witch is like, you know, why are you running away screaming? And she's like, well, maybe it's because you trapped me in the tower for 14 years of my mm-hmm. life, and I never had any social interaction, and then I had to give birth to twins in the middle of a desert by myself. But I don't know. <laughs> the witch is just like, I was just trying to be a good mom. It's a, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> So her prince is following her and in the process meets his brother and the two confess that they have lust for two new women, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, in the song Agony Reprise. Rude. (laughs) Yeah. The baker, his wife, and Little Red find Cinderella's family and the steward. They reveal that the castle was attacked by a giant. The witch brings news that the giant destroyed the village and the baker's house. So, oops. Oops. The giantess, who is the widow of the giant that Jack killed, shows up for revenge. She stops the group of the baker, the baker's wife, Little Red, the witch, and Cinderella's stepmother and sisters. And the giantess is nearsighted and lost her glasses. So the witch tries to offer her the narrator, which is just yeah someone that's there now. That's how this works. Well, yeah, I mean, he's always been there. He's been an actual yeah. person. But he's just like, like breaking the fourth wall thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. He mentions, he's like, I'm not part of the story. I'm just the one that tells the story. And the witch is like, well, you're here now. And some of us don't like the way you're telling the story. <laughs> uh, so the narrator is dropped from a great height and dies. Yeah, Aww. the giantess is uh, not happy that it's not actually Jack. So <laughs> Jack's mother defends him, which angers the giantess. The steward attempts to keep Jack's mother quiet and ends up killing her. Yeah. 
As the giantess leaves to try to find Jack, she tramples Rapunzel in the process of breaking the witch's heart in the song Witch's Lament. Oops. Everyone's dying. Yeah. <laughs> Act two, now with less characters. Yes. <laughs> the witch vows to find Jack and give him to the giantess. The baker and his wife don't want anything to happen to Jack, so they split up to find him first, leaving their baby with Little Red. The baker's wife runs into Cinderella's prince, who seduces her, and the song Any Moment. Oh. oh. The baker, meanwhile, finds Cinderella in the woods and convinces her to join their group. Afterwards, the baker's wife reflects on her affair with the prince in the song Moments in the Woods, and then ends up stumbling from a cliff and is killed. So, Oops. karma, I guess. I mean, don't cheat on your husband, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the baker, Little Red, and Cinderella await the return of the baker's wife. Uh, however, the witch arrives with Jack, who has been found weeping over the baker's wife's body. Aww. The baker then blames blames Jack, and the two, along with Cinderella and Little Red, argue and blame each other for everything. But then they all turn on the witch and blame her for everything instead, in the song Your Fault. Which is fair. She started this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I would have blamed the witch, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, the song is insane, yeah. and I love it. The witch chastises them for being unable to accept their own faults and actions. She says they can blame her if they just give her the boy, which they refuse. The witch throws away the rest of her beans, which causes her to regain her power, and she vanishes in the song Last Midnight. The Last Midnight song gets stuck in my head all the time <laughs> for no reason, too. I, I don't know why. The baker is grief-stricken over the loss of his wife, and he flees from his literal responsibilities and child. So Father of the year. Yeah. He's convinced by his father's spirit to go back and face his responsibilities and not end up like his dad, which, fair, in the song No More. He returns to the group and tells them they must defeat the giantess. So they don't really know how to do this. So Cinderella asks the bird to peck out the giantess's eyes and they spread pitch on the ground to get the giantess stuck and so they can strike her from behind. So they're really (laughs) destroying this woman. (laughs) Someone at least has a plan. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Cinderella stays behind the baker's son and confronts her prince over his infidelity. He explains he feels unfulfilled, even though he loves her. He was only raised to be charming, not sincere. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she asks him to leave, and he does. And they, they both are like, I will always love the person that I thought you were in the beginning. So Little Red discovers her grandmother has been killed by the giantess, and the baker tells Jack that his mother is dead. Jack vows to kill the steward, but the baker talks him out of it and comforts him. And Cinderella comforts Little Red. The baker and Cinderella explain that choices have consequences and everyone is connected in the song No One Is Alone which is a beautiful song. (laughs) And then the four together put the plan in action and slay the giantess. The other characters, including the royal family and the princes with their new women, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, return to share one more set of morals. The survivors band together, the baker, Cinderella, Jack, and Little Red decide to live together and help raise the baby. The baker's wife's spirit comforts her mourning husband and encourages him to tell their child the story. So the baker begins to tell his son the tale of the whole thing. The witch and the rest of the characters, both dead and alive, offer a final lesson of careful the things you say, children will listen, in the song finale. The end. The end. Dun, dun, dun. Are we out of the woods? We are out of the woods, technically, yeah. 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 It's a weird story, like, yes, we do learn some lessons here. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess. But also, maybe not exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) because I mean, the lesson of just, like, kill people that get in your way isn't really it's not the best the best thing yeah and actually yeah 
like Little Red Riding Hood kind of brings it up. She's like, I, I think my mother would be disappointed because I'm about to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. And Cinderella's like, yes, it is a terrible thing, but also like giantess has done terrible things and like you have to come to terms with it however you need to but we're doing this for the greater good kind of thing so eh. yeah it's just a weird fine line that they're walking like yes which i mean is fairy tales in general like if you've listened to or watched or read any fairy tale you know that like it teaches you a lesson but like not quite (laughs) it's usually (laughs) violent so this definitely s- sticks true to that. Yeah. For sure. Actual fairy tales, not like Disney tales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney definitely softens all the tales. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it's it's good enough, you know, and I know the underlying story, like the lesson is, is more focused on being a parent and teaching a child and like how the things you do can influence, you know, the things that you grow i think the witch says at one mm-hmm. point it's like you have to actually love what you're growing and it's yeah it's definitely got it's very very poignant on the be a good parent thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and the child parent relationship so that's that's definitely more of like what the show is aimed at for sure but it's also just a really fun story with a bunch of very fairy tales smashed together mm-hmm. so i'm not mad nope so i i recommend it mm-hmm. And the movie, again, is great. It does cut out a lot of the extra stuff that doesn't really quite make yeah. sense, which I appreciate. Like, the whole Baker's father storyline is just yeah, that's not out of there. It's really not necessary at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not surprised they took it out. So I, I do recommend watching both versions, because the original one, the one that's on stage, is super good. It's got a lot of funny jokes in there. Bernadette Peters, who plays the witch, is awesome. Fantastic. She's great, yeah. obviously. So I definitely recommend watching that one and also the movie. Mm-hmm. They good. Yeah, this one. And it can be hard to watch, too, because it is very long and it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. And it's not always easy to watch something that is all song like this is. That is true. Because I think, you know, I'm sure not everyone takes things in through song like, a you know, the same way as other people do. <laughs> like us theater nerds right. do. So it can be hard. This can be a show that's hard to digest. Unlike other shows we've covered. So yeah. keep that in mind. Um, it might take a little extra work, like mentally, whatever, to watch this and get through it. But it's worth it. Because this is a fantastic show. Yeah, this one, again, really clever. But you do have to expand more brain power because there's a lot of lines that overlap. And all the characters sing with and over each other and intertwine their stories. Mm-hmm. And it's very fast paced in some of the songs. So you do have to, again, yeah, pay attention a little more than you probably would with some of the other yeah. ones. But it's definitely well yeah. worth it. Kylie, what do you think since you haven't actually seen it? I haven't seen it and I haven't heard it. I'm sure I'd enjoy it. I think you would. I think this is one that you would you would mm-hmm. like. And I'm kind of shocked I'd never saw it before. Yeah, me too. But yeah, we'll have to do a movie night or something. Because it's, it's really good. And yeah, again, the, the cast for the movie was stellar yeah (laughs) they did really good with that one also i didn't mention the beginning i keep forgetting to do it at the beginning this show i i think it's like a light mama warning because there is a lot of death a lot of dark content you know a lot of dark content a lot of dark humor Mm -hmm. too so just kind of go with that as you will like uh the prince literally pours out blood from the shoe when he gets the the stepsisters Mm -hmm. out it's kind of gross but i was like well that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, yeah, 
tread tread lightly with this one, but the movie I don't think is that dark. Yeah. They kind of cut apart, cut out some of the stuff, you mm. know. Yeah, they Disneyize it. They disguise it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything bad happens off screen. <laughs> but it does still happen. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in this one, I'm real curious, like, what it was like. Because this has to be a lot to produce, too. Yeah. There's a it's lot got a going pretty on. pretty big cast, honestly. Because you can't necessarily, like, double up roles like some shows can. Some of the roles actually are doubled up, but it's not, like, it's the background yeah. characters. Like, the narrator and the mysterious old man are the same person, and then the Cinderella's prince and the wolf are the same. Mm. There is, like, a few double ups, but yeah, not uh, a crazy amount. Yeah. Still a very yeah. large cast. large cast. I'm sure the staging and props and set and all that are complex to be able to get all these yeah. intertwining stories, so... I'm just curious how it was to produce this one. Yeah, I, I would be curious. And if you were in it, again, like the convoluted music, I'm curious how you balanced that mm-hmm. <laughs> in the learning process behind that. Yeah. <laughs> so please let us know how that went. Like tweet at us or, you know, shoot us an Instagram message or email us at com. We would really love to hear about it. Heck yeah. And Matt missed out on a good one, I gotta mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. But he has seen this one. He does love it. Just so everyone at home knows. <laughs> and she does like this one. Good. But do we have more thoughts on this one? Uh, no. None that nice. I can vocalize. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts, head empty. Yeah, so the show's good. Go watch it. Go rent it. Just absorb it. Again, it's free on YouTube for the two and a half hours. I watched it today. It's great. Again, Steven Sondheim was amazing and we will miss him in the theater community because mm-hmm. he was in the middle of a bunch of other works still. So, his legacy will live on. That's for sure. Because I love all of his music. <laughs> we will be covering more shows of his in the future, obviously, because he did a lot mm-hmm. of shows. Mm-hmm. So, just keep your eye out for those. But yeah, I think that is going to be all for us on this episode. If you could please leave us a five-star review on Apple, that'd be awesome. You can get apples from trees. Or you can I mean, go to the mall. In the woods. Into the woods. In the woods. The mm-hmm. orchard. <laughs> You could carve a five-star review into a tree. It might not get back to us, but maybe. <laughs> but it'll stay there. No one can erase unless they chop down the tree. That's <laughs> true. And like and subscribe to us wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. This ensures you'll get our episode as soon as it's posted. Yeah. So also the best way to help us is through word of mouth. So please go ahead and tell your friends, your family, your coworkers that witch that lives next door as long as you don't steal our magic beans. It'd be great so we can get that wider audience. I mean, you can go into the woods and shout about us, but I, I don't know how much good that'll do you. I'll be real yeah. honest. Please don't get lost out there. It's scary. <laughs> Please don't. It's, it's scary. scary. <laughs> like Katie said, you can email us at savemanowseat at gmail.com or you can find us all over the interwebs. We are on Facebook at Save Me an Seat. We're on Instagram at Save Me an Seat. We're on Twitter at Save an Seat. And we're on YouTube under the Ragtag Network. We're everywhere. And of course, for more shows and to keep updated on everything we've got going on, including shows that we are a part of and producing in the future, you can go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. It's where you can kind of keep track of all the things that we've got. But I don't think we have anything extra for you guys this time. So thanks for listening to this episode of Save Me Now Seat. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. If you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.